Richard Manuel Memorial Studios in Blue Springs, Mississippi. This is the Soundtrack of Life, a music podcast. I'm Matt, as always, with Sean. Hello. And friend of the show, local celebrity, Blue oh. Springs celebrity, uh, well. Mr. Gray Dog, the meat and three maestro <laughs> himself. <laughs> Just know that I'm bowing. <laughs> no, thank you very much. I appreciate it. It's good to be here with you fellas. You want us to tell your last name? Some sure. people are aware. Josh Taylor. Okay. Because the I don't think he's in witness protection or anything. No, <laughs> well, you know we, we only ever that was a running thing with Manchild. We only, only ever person. said one person's last name, and that was Ben Hogue. Oh. <laughs> hey Ben Hogue. But yet, get this. I was thinking about this the other day. Dusty, we've never said Dusty's last name, but okay. we always talk about a Roy Prather special. Yeah. <laughs> so, but. That's Dusty's dad. Oh, okay. I was like, I'm in the dark over here a little bit. Yeah. But we've got a special episode. We're going to talk about the band. and What band? The band. Oh, that band. The. Uh, the band. Italics. The band. Now, probably the, um, I don't like sticking numbers on things, but one of the greatest bands of all time. I don't know where to put them. You could ask Palmas Rock. Mm, well, I was thinking about this it's, earlier. It's an interesting I've, thing. Yeah, I've, I've heard different classes because they're not just rock and roll to me. No, they're like this like beautiful gumbo of of country and Ooh, gumbo western and a little bit of funk and rock and roll and folk music. What's like now known as as Americana, but it, in that mm-hmm. in that era there was no such thing. But it's what I what initially attracted to me or attracted them to me was that they were. All of the kind of music that I grew up on, uh, all kind of put into one. A little gospel, a little country, a little folk, a little rock and roll, a lot of R&B. They had their uh, their bass and their drums turned up, which was uh, not common in that era. They had they had a fill of funk to them. For sure. I was thinking about that earlier, listening to because I've listened to nothing but their entire discography of the studio albums anyway since yesterday, yesterday in preparation. Now, I've listened to them all before, but it's I've just, devoted. just like listened to it, like put it on while I'm working, which I can do that in work, and it's not hindering up anything. But the bass, so Danko's bass and Levon's drums, the rhythm section, it has this, even on slower songs, it has this weird, and I don't say weird because it's awesome, but this gallop. And it's like, a, it's almost like, like a Latino. Hmm. And it, it, that, doom, 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 like it's got a, a I don't, some of the stuff, it made me think of like some of that, uh, like just the, uh, what do they call it? Reggaeton or whatever, like the yeah. uh, Latin rap kind of stuff. It's got that, that beat. Some of that are, and I guess it could be like Samba or whatever, some of the, that, it, and that's not necessarily what it is, but it gave certain things of it gave me that vibe, the way the bass flowed with the drums. And I mean, without our good rhythm section, you're nothing, really. I think that's what initially grabs you for them. If you're not, unless you're a writer, um, their rhythm section is what draw what drew me in, and the fact that they turn up, um, <laughs> kind of like kind of like the Swampers of that era. Mm-hmm. Um, you could tell these boys grew up on black music, yes, as opposed to psychedelic or 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 the Beatles or something like that. There was there was heavy black influence, uh-huh. in and in, in, and you hear it mostly in the rhythm section. Well, and it's like you were talking about off air, Levon Helm, he made them, his voice and his style kept them from being just a run-of-the-mill Canadian rock and roll band. For sure. 
because technically, I guess they are an amalgamation of just R and B, rock and roll, rockabilly, all there. You are just you are a combination of your influences, but with his voice and that Arkansas redneck, I mean, it gave it all a completely different flair flavor than anything else and you notice it where i first noticed that the the flair you're talking about is in the night they drove old dixie down instead of saying they were singing they were singing another thing that he does or did r.i.p that i like and it almost makes me laugh when i hear it but i've never heard anybody else do it and but it's it had to be just his style he would really enunciate a's and these Hmm. I've never picked up on that. Uh, Can you give me was, an example? Yeah. Oh, crap. I don't mean to put you on the spot. Earlier. Let me, there's, uh, oh, uh, Cripple Creek. And this living on the road. Yeah. Is getting pretty old. And he's done, he does that on something else, but then he does it an A too. So, uh, so he doesn't seem lazy. No. And it's. That's interesting. I've never thought about that, but it makes perfect sense. But I've never heard anybody else do that. And certainly, so we, certainly we, not from the South. No, and we <laughs> we cover. My, my, I say we, me and my brother's band have covered uh, up on Cripple Creek for years now, and I sing it, and I sing it. I try to sing it like, like he, does. he does. So I say it, and it's living on the road. You know, <laughs> and I was trying to think. There was one I was listening to where he, he did it with the A. And I can't remember if it was just an A or if it was like A again or something like that. You'll think of it as we're, yeah, as we're rolling through the podcast. I'm sure that but, that track will come up, whatever it is. But he's got his own... His voice is so awesome. Oh, yeah. I mean, they had great they had great voices throughout that band. But his his by itself... And from... We've talked about... Me and Sean have talked about it a good bit uh, on the show. Harmony vocals oh, are... To me, make or break a, a band. You've got a good rhythm section, and if you don't have anybody singing harmony, it's just well, it's like the it's like the icing on the cake. Yeah, <laughs> you can be a great band without great harmonies, but right. when you hear a great harmony, especially if you're a musician, because you know that it's hard mm. to do. Um, and I use the term musician loosely. I may refer to myself as a, as a musician at some point in this, but I've never made a dollar off of music. Just just to be clear, mm. but. Yeah, when you hear, I mean, oh gosh, what's the, uh, like, Seven Bridges Road by, uh, the Eagles. by the Eagles, you you know a really great harmony when you hear it, and it, if you're a musician, it kind of perks your ears up and opens your eyes and maybe uh, drops your jaw a little bit, because it's it's really hard to do, it's even harder to write, and it's uh, maybe even harder than both of those to perform live. And that that podcast that you shared with me, the... The Rivals? Yeah. Or was it the rival? It's yeah, rivals, I, I ended up going rivals, and listening to another uh, one, but that was the one they talked about the harmonies. They didn't figure out that they could harmonize like that until years after they were together. Yeah, well, it's it's actually the, the podcast we're referring to is Rivals, music, music music's greatest feuds. Yeah, but they they talked <laughs> about fun. how yeah. well Levon's vocal fits with Richard Manuel's vocal and fits with Danko's. And none of them are, they said that they're all atypical. It's not typical harmonies that they're singing with each other. No, they all have very distinct 
very definitive lead, lead vocalist uh-huh. uh, voices, and somehow it all, all mixed well in a four-part harmony. And it's not just the three of them. Like, yeah. Robbie can sing, too. Surprisingly. I didn't realize that he... Uh, I went and listened to some of his stuff, too. And he's got more of a raspy, kind of uh, rock and roll type, bluesy voice mm-hmm. than the rest of them do. And apparently he sang, did some lead on one song or two or something. Or at least he's credited for having a, a, a always, vocal. I, I've never well, looked up like, who, a lot of stuff. who got the vocal. <laughs> we're well, yeah, we're going to go down that road um, later in the podcast. Um, I'm, I couldn't, I can generally tell you when I'm listening who's singing. Um, yeah. I try to pick it out. The, and I, his I voice is always up. the one when I'm like, oh, I don't know which one that is. That must be. Yeah, I get a little mixed up sometimes <laughs> between Danko and Manuel on some stuff, especially if they're singing more on the same uh, like key. The same octave. That, the same octave. And because Manuel can do that really high falsetto, mm-hmm. you know, I shall be released mm-hmm. falsetto stuff. And then Danko can kind of get low. On some stuff, but he's more kind of a. Oh, it's hard to describe those guys. They were just. It was perfect. That's what asked, makes them so great. I asked. There is no logical explanation for it all. I think if there it was a logical, if there was a logical explanation, then it wouldn't be as impressive. Yeah, more people would do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it were easy, then everybody would do it. Well, we were listening to the music. <clears throat> I asked Kelly. I said, <clears throat> "My wife, do you think how many how many bands after them?" would say that a, that the band was a great influence on them. Oh, I think they're musicians' musicians. Kind of like... Um, I mean, like you, a, you could see it with Blackberry Smoke. You could see it with uh, Zach Brown. You could see it with uh, Black Crows. You could see it with... You just name them. And they're going to say, we got our... We... we the Eagles. We, we, we copy after the band. We, we don't like him. But Bruce Springsteen. He's yeah. also one that was very mega heavily, fan. Yeah, a huge fan, heavily influenced by the band. Uh, I, I think he has. You know, they're a musicians, musician or a musicians band. I think most people like kind of coming from the same thing as you. They're going to know the big three, like you said. There's, yeah. yeah, and just a surface level kind of like, oh, yeah, they, oh yeah, I know that song. Yeah, we pulled into Nazareth. That's yeah, I know that song or. Most people think it's, everybody sings it. Yeah, well, and most people think it's take a load off Annie. It's not. You put an F on that bad boy. It's take a load off Fanny. But I'm embarrassed to say that I just twenty years of listening to the band, and I just figured that out three days ago. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I always just assume it was. Annie. It was like it was like about a month ago. I just figured out that Tuesday was his girlfriend. <laughs> And she's gone. And she's the gone more you know. Win. The more you, the more you know. The more you know. Oh, uh, after school special. It shows. I knew I saw it somewhere. Kelly said that's you know that's the bad thing about not having uh, CDs or tapes anymore. And the the liner notes it don't tell who your who your influence was. That's right. true. You know. God. I used to read all <laughs> those. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. The, uh, oh, according yeah. to this, I would read the inside of every record I bought. Yeah. Oh yeah. Track listing on uh, music from Big Pink. Uh, to Kingdom Come, right? Uh, it shows that lead vocals were Richard Manuel and Robbie Robertson. Makes sense. But uh, you know, I, I think if if I'm not mistaken, I, I read um, 
I come across, d- discovered the band. Of course, I'd heard the the big songs, but I discovered the band and got really into them around 2012, around the okay. time Levon died, yeah. when he died. A friend of mine, who I hope to get on the podcast pretty soon too, is a local songwriter, introduced me to him and gave me the book, the This Wheel's on Fire, Levon's book. He's like, look, man, you just need to read the book. And so I read the book, and it's very, um, I think that guy on that podcast I listened to today described it as vitriolic. Um, yeah, he was not happy. He does not, he did not, he was not happy with Robbie Robertson at Who, all. Who's that? Levon. Oh, no. I think and, the, the broker he got towards the end, the matter he got. Yeah. Like, it, like, it wasn't something that <clears throat> faded with time. Mm-mm. He, I mean, we'll get into the timeline of the band, uh, but the end of his career, I think he um, was diagnosed with throat cancer in either 97 or 98, so the last 13 or 14 years he was alive, he was essentially broke, and yeah. doing those rambles at the at the Ryman or whatever, the rambles up in upstate yeah. New York to pay his bills, and the further in debt he got, the more angry and like you said, vitriolic that relationship well, he also, became. He also blamed him, Robbie Robertson, for the for pretty much the deaths of Manuel and uh, Danko. Yeah, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, yeah, he's yeah. yeah that's like as hurt. in like broken heart kind of stuff. Well, as in uh, going on the road is what what caused Manuel to hang himself. Okay. Well, see, Been on but, the road but, with the well, drugs and all but that. He did that when they were without Robbie. That yeah. was in 1986. Um, he was drinking like eight bottles of wine a day or something like that. Yeah, I don't know that you can really blame that on Robbie. Nah, but, and Richard had, from according to the book, I think he was the one that kind of had the most, he was the... Um, His was like a heart attack, wasn't it? Richard Manuel? Yeah, no. No, Danko? Danko. Danko's... He died in his sleep. Yeah, his was 1999. At age 55. Um, uh, Richard Manuel was 40? 42 or 43, somewhere in there. He was pretty bad off in the drugs. I think think of all of them, he might have been. Yeah, I think that's kind of what Levon, in that book, he leaned, like, Richard had the most, um, like, anxiety out of all of them and I think he tried to cope a little bit with uh, I think he had some nerves like playing in front of people and stuff sure. like that and, and he I, looked to be the shy one of the bunch yeah and he was kind of and Levon kind of credits him as being kind of the lead singer yeah of, of the group I think he probably sang lead on mo- more songs than any of the rest of really? them really I've never thought about it I've always just kind of I mean they're all kind of It's it, and it may not be it may just seem that way but he's it's it's pretty well evened up between the three of them. Yeah, enough so that like without thinking about it, just listening, if somebody's like, "Who's the lead singer?" I'm like, "Well, they they kind of all do it, right?" <laughs> and they all do it so well. And I I think most people would probably when I think of the sound it, though, it, it leans to Levon because yeah yeah even though it, and it's what's crazy is like Robbie would write these songs that were like incredible s- steeped in 18th century American. Uh, literature, yeah, almost like he traveled back in time to write these amazing songs because they were not of the era that he was living in. And then Levon's voice, with his lyrics and and Levon's arrangements, um, 
you would have sworn had you not known that that band was from West Arkansas. Yeah. Or, or you know, West Tennessee or North Mississippi or some, some part of the Mid-South. And, um, you know, lo and behold, they're 80% Canadian, which is still wild to this day, <laughs> listening to that music that that band is majority Canadian. And it... Um... You talk about the songs and the what did he? I think he. I think Robbie has even said that that he viewed Levon as as his mouthpiece in it's a like way, a, like the straw that stirred the drink. Yeah, and it's. I mean, um, who was it? Somebody. Uh, Pete Townsend has said that about Roger Daltrey. You know, Pete Townsend wrote all the songs for the Who. Did he really? I didn't. Pretty know much. That. That's cool. I mean, pretty much. It, it, Pete Townsend was the. Was the, the, the Robbie Robertson, mm-hmm. for, you know, the the the, um, the more lyrically inclined, you yeah. know, artful art, you know, uh, one of the group. Every every, every band's got one. Sure, M- multiple. Some of them are lucky enough to have multiple ones, you know. But he said that he uh, when he wrote songs, he only ever heard Roger singing them. I always and find it Roger fascinating when his, people Roger say that they guy. can. They can write for, uh, like, I was watching one of the band documentaries mm. um, not terribly <coughs> long ago, maybe a couple of months ago, and I remember distinctly Robbie, I've always struggled with writing lyrics. I can arrange music, but I have a hard time writing. And Robbie talks about, like, when I'm writing a song, if it's, I can hear it in my head if it's for Levon, so mm-hmm. I'll write for Levon. And it's always interesting to think, like, I could never sit down to write for someone else. I've written. Or with five, someone else in mind. I've written five or six. And uh, songs for other people. Well, I, we ended up recording them, me and my brother. And when I would sit down and write them, I would almost hear my brother singing them. Does he do lead vocals yeah. for you guys? Okay. And cool. Uh, and it wasn't like I sat down and I'm thinking like, yeah, I'm gonna write. I would just sit down and write. And I'm I've never been that good at writing songs. It's more difficult for me. I I can get to a certain points and get an idea, but I really need somebody to feed to off help of. Tie, yeah, tie it together. And but. I would hear his voice singing the song. That's cool. I think that would be really that's hard what, to that's do. That's the way Lionel Richie writes his stuff. Yeah. With someone else in mind. He wrote several of his songs hearing Kenny Rogers sing them. Well, it's kind of like a, 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 a movie writer, producer, director, whatever. They write, there's for a particular say, part. Yeah. I, I see, you know, because Tarantino is known for that. It's like, oh, I, had, I wrote this with, you know, Brad Pitt in mind to play that. And, you know, of course, he's got the pull to get Brad Pitt to play his part. But Not knowing anything, that sounds easier than writing for someone to sing. Yeah, I would think so. And I, and I don't know anything about writing movies, so if you're a movie maker out there listening, what you do is easy. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, I mean, to, 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 to think about having to sit down and write with someone else's voice, someone else's phrasing, someone else's style of singing in mind, but it has to come from your heart. And then when it actually is produced as a piece of music, you would never know as a listener that that was right. written by somebody like that to me, just that's a tall task. It's And to do it successfully is admirable. I, I think it's after a while and probably the same with him. Uh, like I said, and I've only written just a handful. Sure. But it, after maybe like the second one, it's you automatically, I think like a second major kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. You automatically kind of gravitate to that when you write it, like you hear, you can hear it and you can write it out. Of course, there's not a whole lot of difference. I mean, it's I'm talking about writing for my brother, so we are of the same bloodline. Our voices are similar, and so it's easier to for that. But 
wasn't like a guy from Toronto writing for a guy from, from, Elaine, from Arkansas. Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at it. I didn't know where Elaine was. I looked at it on the map. It's just across the river from Clarksdale. Yeah. He's technically from like, gosh, what it's like Coon Scratch. Oh, turkey the, Scratch. Turkey Scratch. Yeah, I knew it was scratch. some, some sort of varmint. He was born of... in Elaine and, and grew up in Turkey Scratch. That's, I mean, it don't get no more redneck than that. That's one. But it's when great. He's, yeah, when he's got that album, when he's a, when he says he's a poor dirt farmer, that's exactly what them folks were. And that because I mean, those two records, my goodness, Electric Dirt and Dirt, dirt farmer, farmer, they like rekindled every bit of fandom I ever had for the band, and really gave me a new appreciation for what he did. And then going back after he passed, and finding out what he was dealing with leading up to the making of those records, the dude had completely lost his voice. Mm-hmm. Um, Didn't he do a cover of Steve Earle's song? Let's look is at that. Uh, is it the, something about a mountain? On, uh, I think it's Dirt Farmer, maybe. Of the two, I always liked the first one a little bit better. Was Dirt Farmer first? Uh, yes. Okay. Electric need... Dirt is the one with like the Grateful Dead cover on it. Okay. It's Tennessee Jed and a few others. Oh, yeah, Tennessee Jed is the it one. It does a great cover of that. Oh, uh, that was a thing that I noticed, and they they talked about on that podcast as it went along. After Robbie, after Robbie kind of washed his hands, and mm-hmm. they went along, it was harder for those guys to write songs, so they kind of leaned on other people, right? And did covers. Oh, I mean that, um, which was uh, that song's called "The Mountain." The Mountain. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think that's a Steve Earle. Is I it think really? That's a Steve. A, a, we need probably need to look that what up. Y'all, <clears throat> I was looking at something here. What did y'all say about Tennessee Jet? Tennessee, Tennessee Jet. Jet. Okay. It's a just an old dead tune that Robert well, wrote. I, well, I, I, when I was, I was thinking that Better head a guy I've seen Jet. here lately it's called Tennessee Jet. Oh, got okay. his name from that, but it's definitely not. So J E T or J E D? J E T. Oh, okay. Jet. He opened for uh, uh, Whiskey Myers at the Ryman. Oh, nice! What a cool venue. He, to- he toured with. Uh, you, he had a. You could hear a big influence on his voice from uh, Willie Nelson. He toured with Willie. Oh, nice. Yeah. He was he the fun guy, guy to tour with. He's the guy you sent to me that I said sounded like, uh, oh, uh, Rodney, uh, not Rodney, uh, not Rodney Foster. Crowell? Rodney yeah, Crowell. Rodney Crowell. Yeah. Yeah. He, to, something <clears> about, when, I heard him, when I heard him, I was like, that's and something sang, about his. And he sang with... Uh, he did some songs with a guy that you told me to listen to. Hmm. Uh, Vincent Neil Emerson. No. Uh, he did produce his started last Started with a C. Last name starts with a C. Paul Coffin? Paul Coffin. Yep. He he's big in that Texas scene now. He's like kind of a mentor to Who's a lot that? of those guys. Rodney Crowell? No, I'm talking about Tennessee Jet did some songs with... The, oh, I don't know the yes. Tennessee Jet guy. Yeah. That's cool, though. Steve Earle did write that song. The Look Mountain. at you. Yeah. Just, a, just a wealth of knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you spend four days researching for a podcast. Uh, You're gonna start dropping the, dates. He's like, that this, one was written July 17th, 1967. I might. I don't know. <laughs> this, is, this is my life. Though. Levi, I, I just I, had I, his cereal <laughs> and his third cigarette today. Two bowel movements in. You know what? His voice wouldn't sound as good as it did if he didn't smoke cigarettes. Is it Levon? Yeah. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. All those. I mean, everybody back then smoked cigarettes. Anyway. Right. But. You can. I mean, I'm a smoker. If you can't hear it, um, but you can. T- you can tell listening to singers that smoke. You can also tell ones that oversmoke, and it kind of wrecks their voice. Yeah. But there's this really happy medium of like I drink just enough 
booze and smoke just enough cigarettes that it makes my voice sound weathered and sincere. That's Stevie Nicks. Hmm. That's the way her voice sounds. The way it should I bet she it. smoked a lot of cigarettes, And too. the same way with, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. with uh, Bonnie Tyler. Bonnie Tyler? I don't know Bonnie Tyler. Yeah, she had voice problems. Total Eclipse of the Heart. Oh, okay. okay. She's got that same raspy voice. Sean is a big 13. fan of female artists, which I... I have no yeah. problem with, but I find it. I'm not. I don't normally. I'm, I'm not. I don't lean more toward female artists, and I don't know why. I I, I like anybody with a raspy voice, male or female. Yeah, now, now I do Me like too. Stevie Nicks and, and Fleetwood Mac, but female musicians are like female comedians. Like to me, you almost have to be better than good. For me to like, like you, you have to work harder than a man. I mean, you have to I, really. I don't, mean to, you have to I don't really, mean to get into this, right? But, but you, you have to really stand out. Yeah, I, but, uh, you know. for me to like you, you have to be better. Okay, and, and I think part of for, it is for instant. Well, never mind. I'll I'm gonna gonna I think part of it is is that it's for hard for me to. I'll save the next. Uh, <laughs> hard for me to get on a female level, obviously, because I'm not a female. Sure. <laughs> so if they now like. Uh, because a lot of them, especially in certain types of music, and I know this is a tangent, but they they sing about the opposite side of things. I guess is how that uh, how sure, I would female's them. perspective. If, yeah, and so I don't necessarily. But you got somebody <laughs> like Stevie Nicks that's doing something like, uh, you know, landslide or stop dragging my heart around or Silver Springs or Red something. Okay, it's don't, just the song. Sean going. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's, I'm pretty sure he's brought I mean, Stevie Nicks up. We flew, to, we flew to Vegas to see her, so come on now. Did you really? Oh, yeah. How was the show? Great. How, many, how, how long ago did you do this? Uh, I mean, it's recent, 10 years? Five years ago. So she's still killing it oh, on yes. stage? Oh, yes. Oh, and it's fun? It was a storyteller type thing. Oh, that sounds fascinating, especially was if you're she a big fan. Doing the little tambourine with the... I don't ask much with the, the little no, tails. Not quite she as mystical she anymore. She didn't. Uh, she didn't uh, channel her even uh, channel her inner Stephen Tyler. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Only three scarves. All right. So, how long have you been listening to the band? Oh man. Well, or when I'm, did you discover them? That I was one of those people that was like listening to music at like four years old. Mm-hmm. Um, the band probably would have been high school. And the first taste would have been, like you said, the just kind of the hits. Yeah. Crippled Creek, The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down. Right. Um, the Weight, of course. Um, I mean, everybody loves the... But, yeah, and I... But the older I get, it's cool. I um, I will, I will go down a hole and listen and then fade away for a year or two. And then see some kind of documentary or interview that I'll learn something new. And then jump back in and listen to uh, some of the deeper cuts. And then fade away for a year or two and then get inspired again. But they're so complex and so layered that it never gets old. I agree with that. I don't get tired of their music because there's just so much going on. Well, I'll ask you this then. Listen to that podcast I listened to. Did you know there's an Englishman that wanted to join? An Englishman? I did not. No. As far as I know of the lineup, you know, it was all kind of birthed in Arkansas yeah. with uh, with Ronnie Hawkins, Ronnie Hawkins and the Hawks, and that was Levon. They were playing, they were doing like a Canadian run in the mid-60s. Conway Twitty, supposedly, what knew, uh, of course he was, wouldn't Conway? Mississippi. 
Oh, well, it, it, same kind they of were, circles. They the were rockabilly circles. Yeah, the yeah, rockabilly yeah. circle. Yeah. Like he said the Can- uh, Canada. That's that's <laughs> the old. Uh, that's the old. Uh, he said that Canada was a like an untapped. Right. They they you know, rockabilly scene. Yeah. The rockabilly scene started down at the the Texas Hayride down in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Part of that. Then it went some of it up around Nashville. You know that it went on yeah. up there and in, in, in Mississippi through the South. But it, it, they said it was strange because it was in the South, and it was in. Canada. Yeah. But, Isn't that strange? But it wasn't... Well, maybe that explains... It was Eric Clapton. He, wa- he wanted to be a part of the band. Oh, that's right. He's There is a there is a part of, in, in, in something where he... And like like he was just some, some random dude from Birmingham. That was yeah. Eric Clapton. <laughs> um, he, he was funny. I remember seeing an interview with him, and he, he talked about like he always kind of outgrew whatever band he was in. That he was, he had never had like a band of brothers, like a, yeah. a group of dudes that he was in tight with. He would play a certain style of music with a certain group of people until he felt like he either outgrew it or got bored with it, and then would move on. And you, after he said that, I look back at his career. I, that's what I'm and doing. You're right like, now. oh, this makes perfect yeah. sense because you, you have. And when you're a virtuoso and you're so young and you're getting so good, I guess you are going to outgrow. So, I mean, he had. He was in three bands before he even went solo. Right. And or well, technically it wasn't even four bands. If we had the Blues Breakers, Derek and the Dominoes, was, the Yardbirds, was, Yardbirds. Oh, Cream, the Yardbirds. Cream. There was the Bruce, Blues Breakers, the Yardbirds, uh, Cream, Blind Faith, Derek and the Dominoes, and then Blind Faith. I'm gonna have to look this up. I didn't know Blind Faith. Uh, that's him and Steve Winwood. Was he in one of the All Star bands later on too? <laughs> that sounds fun. Was he in one of the All Star bands later on too? Uh, Ringo Starr's All Star band wasn't he? Was he in it? Maybe so. He wasn't in. He wasn't in the wall. Uh, I know Levon was in that band. Traveling Wallbirds, huh? Um, no, he didn't make it in any of like the Highwaymen or the no, Wolverines or any no, of that stuff. No, the, yeah, but plus that was an era that I think he was like pretty far gone. Yeah, I think he was in like bottom of the barrel Eric Clapton times in the eighties. Yeah, early seventies, seventy three, because seventy four is when he did. Um, what was the 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 address album? I can't even remember the address, but it was his comeback. And when he got sober the first time, I think off of uh, it switched from booze to wine. Yeah, or switched from heroin <laughs> to booze. I think is what it was. Uh, one addiction for another. It was after it was after the whole ordeal. No, it wasn't. he hadn't discovered jogging yet. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think it was around the uh, Patty Boyd times. Uh, I saw an interview I, you know, with him where he talked about his like deep admiration for the band and of how they. That's that's what it was. They were the antithesis yeah. of everything else that was going on, and that's what's so attractive. They they kind of came together. I mean, it. I mean, if we want to start at the beginning, it was birthed in Arkansas, which is where mm-hmm. Levon was from. Robbie was doing his thing in Toronto, and I think was considered like the guy. Was he the youngest of the group? No, Levon was. Levon. Are we talking about Levon and the Hawks, or are we talking about in the band? The band. I'm not sure. Because I'm not sure their age difference. Levon was the youngest in Levon and the Hawks. And the Hawks or and, uh, Rod, Ronnie Hawkins and the Hawks. Robbie talks about seeing him for the first time in Toronto at a, at a gig, um, and he was like, "I couldn't take my eyes off this drummer. He looked like he was 14 or 15 years old." And then you look at the picture, and he was decisively the youngest one in the band, yeah. or at least looking at him. But the, the so they meet. I think that's where Robbie and Levon met. Was through the Hawks, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then eventually, um, and the the Hawks were all made up of Arkansas boys. And forgive me, I don't know their names. I'm not that deep in. Uh, I wish I was. I. But no, no. and then it became like a 
each new musician, they would send away an Arkansas boy and bring in a Canadian. And it was eventually the band. And the band outgrew, according to Robbie, they outgrew the rockabilly sign. He's like, they be, they became too good of musicians to just be playing rockabilly. <laughs> and that's no disrespect to rockabilly. It's great music. Right. Um, but they just, like any musician, they were young. They were all young. Yeah. They were all like 17, 18, 19, I, 20, they, 21. Uh, I just looked just look Wikipedia here. Uh, Danko is the youngest, was the youngest. And uh, Danko, uh, Richard Manuel, and Robbie Robertson were all born in 1943. Okay. Uh, They're was, even older than I thought. Yeah, Rick was born. He was the late. He was December of... Uh, Levon was born in 1940. Uh, Garth Hudson was born in 1937. So he was the oldest. What a quiet, cool Garth was. Yeah, I, I, was, gonna, I was gonna ask he that. Didn't, gonna, he didn't want to. He didn't want to be in the band. Yeah, well, that's what I, I was gonna ask. They had that to talk earlier. him into it. Is Levon your favorite out of the group? I yeah. mean, you know, you got your favorite I mean, Beatle or hey, whatever. It's, so it's, it's Levon. just man, being a dog after him. I'm being being a Southerner, like yeah, so I'm a Garth man. Well, I mean, I know, you, I know, I like. You them can't all, go but, wrong picking but, any of them. But that's what, um, I mean, what I think. The older I get, the more the more I change as an adult. The more I look at the. The personalities and the talents differently. Right. Um, I was always a, a, I was always like, a, you know, there's the big feud, and I imagine we'll get into that later, or, mm-hmm. or maybe we will now. I don't know. Uh, but we, I, we, we're just all over the place. Growing up, I automatically took Levon's side <laughs> because right. I didn't understand that Robbie had written so many of the songs, and I thought there's no way that some Canadian guys writing all this like old school Americana type 18th or 19th century. Uh, style literature for lyrics and of course that's got to be all Levon and then as I get older you you realize like Levon had a lot of points Levon was also it sounded like a pain in the ass after a while and right. um, Robbie was kind of the from what it sounded like and granted like I'm I'm 40 years old I didn't grow up in that era so I wasn't there but it sounded like they all got together they were all best buddies they weren't about the pink boots and the bright blue hats and the nine scarves. They were real basic and they took it, they took their musicianship very seriously. Um, there was not a bunch of substance abuse in the first few years right. of the band. And then af- after, after pink or, or maybe in the making of music from the big pink is when they all started kind of like dabbling more. So, Rick or Robbie sounded like the one that, it's like, yo, I can dabble, I can get in the game, but I can jump out of the game right. as quickly as I'd like as to where the rest, or I shouldn't say the rest, but especially. You don't hear about Garth very much. I think I think Garth and I think Garth and Robbie were kind of the They were the I don't want to throw the word straight edge, but the straighter yeah. the straighter of the group. Rick. I think Gar- Garth come from a pretty strict family, from according to Levon's book, what I remember. Mm. And like you were saying earlier, he didn't want to join the group because he was afraid of what his folks would say. His he he was playing in rock bands on the uh, sneaky on the side on the down because he was classically trained. Yeah, um, and Robbie talks about teacher? that a lot. A yes, that's, that's why. And that's the thing when they brought him into Ronnie Hawkins and the Hawks, the band got better because. And I've dealt with that. I've played with somebody who's so much better than me that you can't help but learn things, and it makes you well, a better. You know, musician. It's, it's the same type of thing of when when. Playing golf. If I play with people that's like me, I play like crap. But when I play with somebody who's a lot better than I am, right? Somehow it, up. it elevates me to play better. You're here. Yeah. This person is here. Yeah. Either, I mean, either you're just going to you see run it all away. the time in sports. Yeah. 
Right. Well, yeah. I mean, it, sometimes it takes somebody being better to make you want to be Elevate better. Elevate the guys around them. Right. For sure. And that's, like you were talking about, I think I had wrote, uh, made a note listening to that pod, podcast earlier, but you had the guys, when they started out, they were just buddies, they were making music, they were having fun, they were doing what they wanted to do. And then somewhere along the way, Robbie, and I say him because him more so than the rest of them, kind of went, uh, you, you have to, you, there's two paths that you can kind of go. It's, you can stay into the, in the music making, like you're just going to, you're going to go here and you're going to continue to have fun. You're going to continue to make music or you can do that, but you can also pursue fame. Sure. And like money. David, David Geffen had a little bit to do with that. Right. And, well, it's and, like, and getting in with Martin Scorsese. It's like, know? well, like they, they <laughs> talked about with The Last Waltz. Mm-hmm. Um, that was filmed. And do you know who, who showed up on screen more than anybody else during the filming of The Last Robbie. Waltz? Robbie. Well, he was buddies you know with Scorsese. And do you know the reason why? It's a, that's also natural, though, because he's kind of the natural front yeah, man. But, but here's the thing. Neil Diamond's there. Why yeah. is Neil Diamond there? That one of was, these things is not like and, the other. That's the way I always feel watching And when that. Muddy Waters come on, they barely recorded with him singing with them. Yeah. One of the greatest blues men in history. They had to force Scorsese to even film that. To film that. Levon did because... Yeah. Really? And, Why yeah. is that? I've never heard that. In the book, Levon talks about this heavy in the and book. And it's in that podcast, he was, too. He was pissed oh, about yes. that because he, that's what he said. He's it's the Godfather. He's who's Neil Diamond to us? Yeah, Neil Diamond's never oh, been. So on he it. was a friend of Scorsese's, not Robbie's. Or no, 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 no. Robbie was Robbie playing was on producing his, his record. Oh, yeah. okay. Because and the song he sang on the last waltz, he and Robbie co-wrote, and Robbie played on his record. I've always wondered watching that because you think like, oh, you know, they go down the list yeah, of, of all the like performers, the and that one guy just doesn't fit in. Yeah, because well, and I got nothing against. Neil Diamond, man. Right. He's written I mean, some I mean, great music, who's, but he doesn't fit that crowd. So it was, it was Joni Mitchell, mm-hmm. Bob Dylan, which Bob Dylan, I'm, we haven't talked about that, but they were the band That's where, the, that's where the name came from. Yeah. yeah. When, when Bob Dylan went electric in 1965. That was, that was his backup band. That was they, his backup They did band. two stints with Bob. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 65 to, what, 69? Right before the Big Pink. Yeah, 68. 68. I think they still did a few shows with him after. Well, they did, but one of them didn't. Well, they, Le- Levon every, eventually left in the left. middle middle of that first. Was it the first or second? They tour? were in England. The so, first tour. So what, they were in England. So I've, he went to Robbie and was like, "This is not my crowd. I'm not a big right. Bob guy. Mm-hmm. Um, were, I'm going to go were, work on an oil rig in the middle of the." They door. were getting booed. That yeah, was the concerts. Yeah, I mean that's because the music. Well, that was when Bob did his revolution. He went from folk singer to rock and roll, which is all cool. I mean, you think about that just on paper. Bob Dylan front man for the band. I mean, that's pretty wild. And that's yeah. pretty cool. I don't like Bob. No. I, I, that's so funny to me because I I'm really, not a huge Bob guy either, but my, my father was a big, was really into his writing. Well, so and if you've ever sat down writing. and tried to write a song, you'll have a very profound respect for what Bob can right. do. Right. Like, no, I respect He can, he can his, arrange and write lyrics. But I don't like the, he just can't sing. You know, I just... I, it's like I don't dig Willie Nelson either. I saw I him at the, at the bottom of the mountain in Jackson Hole, and it was the worst, worst sounding concert I've ever seen. I can only imagine. <laughs> but he was ticked because he's like, 
it's not fun going out here and getting booed. His music is supposed to make people feel good. And I don't I, think I don't think it was just. I mean, he didn't like that either. But right. I, I I don't think he was like. I don't think he was like anti Bob Dylan. No, no, no. But I don't think that crowd, that like mm-hmm. folk crowd, and he didn't like being kinda, booed. Uh, uh, something I think that messed with him. Like not necessarily Ooh, like an ego. That would mess thing, with you. But, yeah, but or not, me. Yeah, or anyone. not necessarily like an. I mean, if you just kept getting booed everywhere you go, and it's like, why don't we keep doing this? Yeah. Go Imagine walking into your job every day, whatever it is <laughs> that you do, and everyone at your place just being like, "God, that guy sucks. You suck. <laughs> go home, redneck." By about Thursday, you'd be like, I don't think I really want to do this anymore. <laughs> It'd be Tuesday after. <laughs> go work in the oil field. Right. You know what sounds great? Working on an oil rig. Working on an oil rig. <laughs> but those, that podcast said that they think that that is where the line ended up being defined. Before Levon left, it was Levon's band. After Levon left and when he came back, Robbie was the the leader. That yeah. makes sense. That makes it perfect does. sense. It, it does. And I think they ended up, they just, they needed somebody to step up and be the leader. To and be the when, adult in the room. Yeah. Okay. That was, that was Out Robbie. Of, I, that's the thing. Oops. I've said a lot of things about Robbie Robertson. I'm not a fan of the guy. He was the adult. He's the, the villain, but he was the adult in the room. You are correct. That, it, it would be really hard I've, I've, the older I've gotten, the more I empathize with him. It would be really hard to have this group of virtuosos. They're all great. They all bring their own thing to the band. And he, he realizes, anybody that's involved in that realizes that what they have is really special. <laughs> and to be the one guy that's like, hey, man, you need to chill out. Hey, man, we really need to write music. Why do I have to do all of this? I'm, I'm, I'm with the greatest all-star cast of pop musicians of this time. Right. And I'm literally having to tell you guys, like, would you be quiet, please? Uh-huh. Like, it would suck being that guy in that band. Could you possibly not take a <laughs> snort of cocaine before we start the <laughs> I prefer if you weren't sleeping during rehearsal. There's also the one that said that he went to the hospital when Levon was dying. Yeah. And made up with him. That was a little convenient. But uh, he didn't. But he didn't make up with him because Levon, Levon was, was not conscious at that time. Yeah, and he, he would have asked him to. He would have thrown him out of the, ho- uh, the hospital room. <laughs> yeah, I, was gonna, I saw that, and it, basically what he did was relieved himself of his burdens. That's yeah. what he did. Um, there was no. That was a one. And that's that, the, and there's here's another. But thing he never too. held any 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 ill will against. Well, I wouldn't say any. Uh, but, I don't but, know about that. It's real easy to say that when all the guys that you're talking about are dead. That's exactly what they said on that podcast. <laughs> That's the only it's very convenient that he released his documentary after after, after they were all gone. After, after they yeah. all died. Garth's the only one left, and Garth is the nice guy. Apparently, he's, of the not, gonna say he's not going to say. He's like, oh, okay, cool guys. Every time I hear his name, I hear that party on Garth. No, that that um that lick. Oh, that's such heavy. I don't know what you would call that. Like a, it's not a harpsichord. It's very. It's an organ, but it's almost organ. with distortion on it. Yeah, it, it, it does. It's very Bach. Harpsichord, or even even what's the uh, uh, the the musical instrument where you it, you move your hands around it and it makes oh um uh, a moog no you're talking about a um, um yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> Philbert Phil, Phil no that gummit, uh, Jimmy Page played one on some stuff it's in all the old fifty sci fi yeah it's a, yeah, it's a, yeah. It's I can't think of what it's called now. Uh, I keep thinking of Moog, but those are synthesizers. Well, and then a Whirlitzer is there. You were talking about it, and uh, I just want to play what you were talking about. Could you imagine sitting? 
in the crowd, then that opens up the show. And you know as a musician that this is very bassy for an organ. Yes. So it's going to like shake your chest. <laughs> I love this, the slide. And then leave on with the drums. And Danko singing. That sounds, that's, you know, that, when it first starts, I'm like smoking the water. Okay. Yeah. They remind me so much of the Swampers because the, the kick, the kick and the bass is turned up so loud. To be, when was that song recorded? In 68? That was on Big Pink. Yeah. So, so recorded probably recorded in 67. 68. <clears throat> but to be that full in rock, as a rock and roll band in that time? And I don't know. You were talking about it earlier. And um, I think. Uh, Thurman. A Thurman. Yeah, Thurman. 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 That's right. Brian Quinn has one of the choking and he's playing it on their <laughs> after dinner. Uh, Smash Mouth uses a theremin on a lot of... That was not a reference I thought we would get during the band <laughs> podcast. That's, that's that's what you get with this podcast. <laughs> I'm a Smash Mouth fan, but I'm... Uh, They're a great band. But we I'm just a, brought I'm this to Practical Jokers, a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if I think a guy told me one time, he was helping me tune up a set of drums <laughs> for our old youth band at the church. Um, Are you naturally a drummer? Is that your No, thing? I'm oh, okay. a guitar player. Okay. Uh, but I think... If I'm not mistaken, and there's somebody on the other side of the microphone who's probably screaming at me, but I think he took, and you may know, did he take the bottom heads off and then he had the top tuned low on his drums to get that really, he had a certain way of doing, uh, I don't know. tuning his drums. I, I don't, think. I've watched a couple of YouTube videos that him where he gets kind of technical with his drumming and uh, I don't know enough about tuning drums, mm-hmm. but I know his big thing was just a four-piece. He yeah. wanted the floor well, tom. When I think about like the heavy drums, I do think about um, this. And that's... But he had a... St- the way he... Pl- of course, he played traditional style. Yeah. Which I can't do. Underhanded with his left yeah, hand. Yeah, but that's the traditional. Like a marching grip. drummer. Instead of a, there's cross grip and there's traditional. Correct. And he played, and so it's got more of a, a yeah, and a he slap plays, He to plays it. with a lot of roll. I think it, it, it really stems from listening to Black Bass on right. the yeah, and he he grew up on like that King Biscuit Hour, that West uh, mm-hmm. West Memphis, Arkansas radio, uh-huh. which at the time, if you're a Southerner, is considered like one of the great radio stations mm-hmm. in the world. Red, um, white, blues. Yeah, I mean, at that point in time, he, down here where we're where we are, and that's that area over there was similar. I mean, what do you have? That and there was the big the five thousand the that, five thousand watt station out of New Orleans. Yeah, that everybody talks about, and there's another one in Cleveland. Okay, um, I've inter- I've talked to a handful of musicians of that mm-hmm. era, and they all it's so funny because. You know, my era and your era, we're, I'm 40. How old are you? I'm 33. I'll, I'll be 33 next you, month. We, don't, we, we grew up listening to the radio, but people of my parents' era are like endeared to... Whoa, whoa, whoa. I listen to AM radio. I can Did tell, you really? I can tell you the flamethrowers. That is AM radio. I, I, I have at night... Does that come around. from gro- like no, no, no. living out in... I listen to a lot of talk radio. Oh, okay. okay. And, and used to... Um, sporting events didn't really come on... Sporting events really didn't come on 
FM radio as much as they did AM radio. Yeah. Sports talk radio in the day, back in the day, was all AM. AM uh, five, 560 out of Memphis, mm-hmm. WHPQ. Yeah. Uh, you had the, the, the flamethrower out of, out of New Orleans you could pick up at night. People used to listen to St. Louis... St. Louis Cardinals on a station out of St. Louis. Sure. All the way over here. I could pick up. Supposedly pick when up the Boston sun went down, the, the ability. You, you, let, you let the sun go down and you let a good frost come in and you can pick up stations from just about anywhere. I've listened right. to stuff out of uh, San Antonio. I've heard yeah. stuff out of Boston. Uh, just big stations, just like I said, flamethrowers. When I talk to people that are older than me that, that are either musically inclined or really into listening to music or they're famous even musicians – they have this um, romanticism with particular rate. Like, for instance, I talked to, um, I don't know, is anybody in the room a widespread Panic fan? No. Okay. Well, for my 30th birthday, I got to interview their front man on a radio mm-hmm. show. Cool. And I asked him, uh, what were his three biggest influences for his stage presence? And he talked about George Carlin, which is an interesting one for a musician. Yeah. Um, the other was I don't I know, comedy and music. They 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 tend to the comedian. Sure. They say com- all comedians want to be, be musicians, and musicians want to be comedians. So I, it's maybe not as far. He, he had a comedian. I can't remember. I want to say it was I don't know a musician. But his other was like this radio station out of Cleveland, and he would talk about like oh on Saturday nights they play this mm-hmm. and on. And I I've, I've always admired that romanticism. And Levon had that for the. Uh, the radio stations, the music scene around Memphis and, and Eastern Arkansas. What did you call that? The King Biscuit? The King Biscuit, the King, the King Biscuit Hour. Biscuit. Okay, I remember that, that was, talking about that in the book. That was that was the radio station that was in Oh Brother Where Art Thou. That's the radio station that was that was AM Oh, that they, that they went and recorded. Right. It's, it was in Mississippi, but that was Memphis Station. That was that was uh, uh, WHBQ. I think it was WHBQ. Interesting. Uh, AM 560, he, I believe He it talks about it like it's world-renowned. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I knew I'd heard of the King Biscuit Hour. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's which is basically Happy access. O'Dannell's Flower Hour. <laughs> so that's what it was. Yeah. It was the King Biscuit. Yeah. They were just kind of doing their own but they had, they had a red, white, I think it was called Red, White, and Blues or something like that. There's, there's other, some other show that come on. But, yeah, that's where, that's where uh, Elvis and... All of them got. I mean, that's where they got playing the radio. He talked about his his biggest drum influences. I and I can't remember the, the guy's name, but there was a group of black dudes that played a show each night, like a live radio mm-hmm. show. And he was like, my he was like that was the coolest thing about my family. Like in my family, I was heavily into music, whether I wanted to be or not. I didn't have a choice. Right. It just grabbed me by the ears, and I had to. Nobody in my family played music. Mm-hmm. So naturally, like I wanted to go see concerts and stuff as a kid, and it was like a huge chore. Like my my family's not taking me to see whatever kind of awful music I like at yeah. the time. But Levon talked about he was like my whole family was down yeah. at all times. He's like my mama and my daddy and my sister and so and so. We would load up every Saturday night and go listen to whatever, whatever. Yeah. And a lot of the times it was the the boys from the night. On the King Biscuit Hour, they get yeah. to. He said they come to Helena, so we drive to Helena. And he talked about Lee and what, whatever the name of his little community was. What did you say? Uh, Turkey, Turkey Scratch. Scratch. Yeah, and they would like travel all over their region of Arkansas to hear these. Well, that essentially like minstrel shows. Well, that's yeah. that's how you got the 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 Hayride down in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. There's a radio show. Yeah. You had you had the uh, Grand Ole Opry right. in Nashville radio show that come on. Mm-hmm. The, the radio those were the famous ones. Like oh, that's yes. where like Elvis yeah. broke. Right. The Hayride was where uh, I believe that's where uh, Hank Hank Senior 
got a good bit of his start down here at the Louisiana. So yeah, that's where Elvis had to come. Yeah. Because he was, I don't think he was welcome in the Opry at first. Isn't that yeah. right? Because he shook too much. That's why too much gyrate. He was too electric yeah. for the people. You know, he finished fourth in a talent show at the Tupelo Fair. How would you like to be the guy that finished second? You know, that's now like, well, he's probably dead now, but in the 80s, he was like a pharmacist. You know, that guy was like, well, I finished ahead of Elvis. You know, I finished second place in the talent show where Elvis come in fourth. I played the triangle. <laughs> But that, you're talking about influences on there. I mean, Elvis was one for, for these guys. Elvis is, no for matter everybody. what documentary I ever watch, if it's post like 1955, all of them to a man, whether it's like Ozzy Osbourne or Pete Townsend or or Jimmy Page, they're like, and then you heard Elvis. Mm-hmm. And that's when my whole world and see, turned upside down. For me, and it's and then I heard Skinner. <laughs> Interesting, <laughs> or or you know, I, I mean, there's that prob- your big like jaw on the floor moment is Leonard Skinner. Oh no, I probably had a bigger jaw on the floor moment with ACDC because that up until great. then I had not great bands. I had not heard anything quite like that because my parents didn't listen to rock and roll. To, to rock, I mean, my dad's a big fan of Heart and Steve Ooh, Miller band. band. Yeah, no, and, great uh, band. and my mom liked. Of course, my mom, a teenage girl through the seventies, grew up listening to Captain and Tennille and the Carpenters, and she's a little more mellow. Yeah, and, and she, <laughs> well, and yeah, and she liked describe I mean, ACDC in, in four words. Uh, Just four. You got to break it. Melt balls to the wall. <laughs> they're a blues band. Uh, they're rock and roll. I mean, but they're blues. They were influenced by the same people like Eric Clapton and all that, but. I don't something about I don't know, and I'm not. I don't play through a Marshall amp or anything, or even a Gibson guitar. You play an SG. I, I do have an SG. It was my first guitar. <laughs> do you have a wine red SG? Dude, I yeah. bet you do. <laughs> Such a cool guitar, <laughs> but I have, it just I'm, looks kind of badass. I mean, I'm a I'm a Fender Telecaster guy now. Me but, too. Uh, That's what I have at the house. I play, but I don't know. The first time I heard like. Hell's Bells or... or uh, yeah, name any of like seven songs. Black. Yeah, I mean, that, the guitar is like, what? They're the is, best riff rock band I've yeah, ever heard. Yeah, it's, what is this? I've, you know, I, I, I want to forget, it was probably fifth grade. Uh, my brother let me... He's seven years older than me, so he's he'll be 40 this year, so y'all okay, are, yeah, y'all we're are about the same age. age. Uh, cool he, guy, your brother. <laughs> he's like an old guy. He's uncool too, huh? no, yeah, just he's, like me. He could never beat me at basketball. I know that. <laughs> he uh, he did say he listened to the patriotic episodes. Did he? And he would he agreed to come on. Nice. Really? So yeah, we might get him just on here for some, for some wow. country music stuff. Wow. But he uh, he let me borrow CDs. He let me borrow ACDC Live and the Wallflowers, bringing down the horse. Yeah, great records. And I won't. That kind of changed me. He's a country guy, and that kind of made me a rock guy. So your favorite thing about Bob Dylan is Jacob Dylan? Yes. <laughs> By far. <laughs> he sounds enough like his dad, but he sings better. All right. He's like a, as far as his vocals, it's like a um, um, refined version yeah. of Bob Dylan. It's very, it, like it's, it's, it's Bob Dylan tastefully done. Kind of like so Lucas <laughs> Nelson is for Willie. Sure. So we've yeah. talked about. They sound so similar, though. Yeah. So we talked about the band. Yeah, we went yeah. off on a tangent there. Um, yeah, we took a hard left. Ended up in an ACDC description. Yeah. That's the fun part. Yeah. Let's talk about the songs of the band. Okay. 
Sure. Let's get we'll, inter- we'll, we'll interweave and, and, and get around. Because the, the end of the story is rather sad. Truth be told. Oh, yeah. yeah. You can't ever... Well, we already talked about one ball. hanging himself. One... Well, the whole thing with the last waltz. Robbie oh, yeah. put all that on. Yeah. Mostly because... And, and uh, that was my thing. Like, I think he just wanted to... He described it as a celebration. Of he all wanted to do... He wanted to... I think he wanted to be done with it. And to go do his own thing. He wanted to do music, uh, uh, movie scores, which he done. He, he has, and apparently they're all pretty good that he's done. But this is, and I, I did make this in my in the, the okay. notes that I took well, because I, I the there was a brotherhood there, and I, as coming from a, a guy who's been in a band with the same guys now since like twenty. 2016 with our current lineup, but before that it was 2012. I mean, we've only had one change since like 2012. Two ten years in, with the and it's, it's, and it's I mean it's me and my brother, our bass player, our drummer now, and we've got a keyboard guy that comes in and out. And do I just do kind of bar band stuff covers? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, southern rock. It's, I, if, if I compare, if do you have a name, when, we're the Mink Brothers. Nice. Yeah. Um, it's very creative. Oh, yeah. It's like Brothers. <laughs> we, 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 we had a name, <laughs> but it? nobody could remember it. It's the Backseat Baptist. We were the Backside of Nowhere. <laughs> That's a great name. That was originally what we wanted to be called. We were well, Backside of Nowhere. And nobody could remember it. They just said, oh, the Mink Boys. You know, y'all know the Mink Boys, Matt and Mike. Mink, the Mink Boys, Mink bro- the brothers. And it stuck. And the first gig, like big gig, they had a t-shirt, and they put all the, all the bands that were playing, it was like a tornado relief thing. Yeah. They put all the band's names the on there, and it said the Mink Brothers. Nice. And so it just... It stuck ever since. It stuck. Because oh. we... I mean, but we fall into that category of the, the Almond Brothers, the Gatlin Brothers, the Statler Brothers, the Bellamy Brothers, I've, you know, the all these brothers. Oasis? <laughs> no. <laughs> Y'all aren't fist fighting. No. The Black Crows? But... <laughs> he bit me. We were talking... Me and my brother were just talking about this the other day. The reason, because I, I had to miss our last show because I had COVID. And so, uh, I, I, I asked him, I was like, well, how did it go? Oh, it sucked. Because that you weren't was, there? Because I was not there. The Everything right. sounded Aww. great. Everything sounded great. I saw videos that people would put and put on Facebook yeah. and all that. I, it sounded great. I was like, dude, you sounded great. He's, it's not the same. You know, that's... They- but And, I, and here's, the, here's the thing. I was talking to my mom about it, and I, I, I told him, too, it's, I wouldn't want to do it with anybody else. Right. I mean, I play another group, but I wouldn't want to do the style of music that we're doing with anybody else. Yes. Because it wouldn't be the same. Yeah. And he feels the same way about me, and I mean, and I look at it like this, four of the five guys wanted to keep doing it. Yeah. One didn't. Okay, well, just remove yourself from it, and don't, like... Bring it all down. You know what's funny is like, of all of the people in that band, and I'm, he would have, Robbie was probably the one that could walk away and you would hear the least amount of difference. Right. His friends in Toronto always talked about how he was this great guitar player. And I listened to his guitar parts in their band and it's the least impressive. And I'm not, this isn't like crap on Robbie time. Mm-hmm. That's not what I mean. But I hear Levon strum and I'm like, okay, nobody else could do that. That's mm-hmm. that's Levon. You hear Garth playing the keys, and that could only be him. And Manuel with his vocals and his style of playing piano. I'm not a big piano guy. Um, <sighs> not that I don't love it. I just don't know it. I can't. 
And the thing with them is but you can take Richard, you could take Robbie out and replace him with somebody, and it probably it's not going to be the same. You're not going to have the songwriting part. Oh man, that he brought. But as far as a guitar player, I mean, you listen to that stuff they put out in the '90s. Anybody could jump in. I mean, his guitar parts. It's kind of like. Um, and I look at it, and I, I I agree with what you're saying. If you take Levon out, the band is that would be you're the, not even close the to what they pin to me. Yeah, he would. Be you the take Garth pin. out, and it's a different thing. It's they would still be a great band without Garth. Uh, they would still be a great band without Rick Danko and with Richard Manuel. But it's and you could get to the same kind of close you know with as long as Levon is there singing and not even necessarily his drumming either you know just that voice but you t- he's I'm, the icing on the cake in that band he gives and, them their feel to me and I I look at it like um one that always stands out to me is we've talked about them and we've not really talked about them on any other podcast until tonight weird the who mm-hmm. who else was Keith Moon gonna drum for oh, no freaking point. body nobody because he was too wild, like the man didn't use a hi hat. He his, the bass was his eighth and sixteenth notes. I mean, he was just a wild man. But if you don't have Keith on the drums for the Who, it's not the same band. Yeah, they might as well be the Stones or you know whoever. Easy, easy. Yeah, well, that's a stretch, but but you take Robbie out of that. Minus I think he's the most replaceable. As, as far as that. just their sound, yeah, not the writing, right? I'll, I'll I have I have a profound respect that has grown as I've gotten older for his, his ability to write is wild. And I'm a I'm a fan of his guitar player. Yeah, and I I hear a lot of it's not it's not like um he used a lot of harmonics. He would do a lot of the the squeals like the Billy Gibbons types. Yeah, and 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 I don't know he might have been a little influenced by some of that. It was a little different. He was known as like a hotshot in Toronto, like he developed some sound that didn't exist before right. him in that area. This Because they say there's like before Robbie and then after. He's like, after Robbie, every guitarist in Toronto tried to sound like him. Kind of like Clapton in, in England you know, right. or London. And everybody, once they heard that, that was what they wanted they to wanted do. They wanted to do. Or Kendrick's here. Yeah. I mean. They're still doing that to, to this day. Yeah. I hear kids that they have a Strat and they're still trying to sound like <laughs> and they him, can't do it. him and Stevie Ray Vaughan. That's the two you just need to stay away from. Yeah, there's a reason to do mean, them. No, don't stay away from them. Listen to them, <laughs> but don't try to play like them because it's... Most people have that stage, and especially like when you're a teenager or maybe in your early 20s, where you're, you haven't figured out your sound yet. So you're still emulating mm-hmm. what you like or what you're hearing. But by the time you're an adult, maybe not by a certain number, well, and, but and, and, you've got to have your own thing going. And, and Stevie Ray, and I'll... Oh. Probably even Jimmy, to a certain extent, was emulating the black performers that went before them. Yeah, I don't know who Jimmy was emulating because well, he was. Jimmy don't know. He who was, was such emulating. like a supernova. He had a lot of hair, Steve, uh, a lot of lot of acid. LSD, a lot of acid. Stevie Ray, you can definitely hear that he's imitating Jimmy. Like that's in the room. He's imitating Jimmy, and he's imitating um, Albert King. Yeah, with yeah. all of that, all those slides. I mean, that's and another one that I, I hear that I wonder too. He does some, a lot of that scraping or sliding or whatever. Is Derek Trucks yeah. on his slide it's stuff? A, it's, a, it's a different because see, it's Dwayne, a different thing. You know, yeah, yeah. Dwayne played slide, but didn't, yeah, but didn't do a lot of that scrapey sounded stuff like. Uh, and I don't. 
Derek Derek almost takes it like Middle Eastern. Like he's playing in different scales than it's, most it's, guys that play slide. It's incredible. He makes me sick. Yeah, it's a, it makes you want to put the guitar and, down. And, mm-hmm, yeah. You're like, I'm never going to be able and to. And so, yeah, I've, I've, everybody goes through a phase. I went through phases of wanting to play like this guy, trying to emulate this and this one. And now I've found out, like, people used to say, oh, who do you like to play like? Who do you who hope that you would, like, compare yourself to? And people would want to say, oh, Stevie Ray or Jimmy or Jimmy Page or whoever, Garrett right. Clapton. I sound more like the dude from the Kentucky Headhunters. <laughs> That's not a bad dude to sound like. And he was not somebody that I like listened to and tried to emulate. And then as we got to playing and our style came Just about, you I listened to it. I'm like, that could be me yeah. playing on that. And I'm like, and I've set, since then I've like really honed in on. And well, I'm, now I'm I know I'm going to listen to a bunch of Kentucky Headhunters <laughs> on the way home. Miss <laughs> Walker. That, that's if when people ask us who we kind of I, I say the Headhunters. Okay. Country with hair on it. Not full blown rock and roll. Country with hair. That's how I like my ladies. I was at my daddy in laws. I was at my daddy in laws the other day, and uh, um, they had something, some old country station on YouTube. They were watching. Ever since we've got fiber, YouTube. Not YouTube TV. YouTube. No, dude. Look, it's something with the older generation. So they're man. watching my the, father-in-law and my dad. There's some kind of cafe YouTube. show that comes on, and then oh, yeah, Larry's Country Cafe. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. And there's something that it's on a certain channel. RFD TV, man. No, it's not RFD. <laughs> it's like you didn't. But it's, it is on RFD. Yeah, I, I know it's on RFD. <laughs> I didn't tell you. I know it's on RFD. <laughs> but but Restless Heart was on there. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And Bluest Eyes in Texas. They did Bluest Eyes in Texas, and they had some of their players there that, that was playing a little bit. Then they had the band that was there for mm-hmm. the, the the cafe, but there's like three of them, and all they doing was singing. Oh, they were singing that song. I'm like, my God, why does it have to be wrong or right? Dude, yeah, <laughs> the way they harmonize with each other, I'm like, oh my gosh. We we we. Do I love good harmony. In Texas. We love I mean, those harmony. guys are. Uh, yeah, they're they were kind of the. Well, we'll talk about it next so, episode. So what did what did what did uh, you was telling me. Uh, Huh. Uh, J- uh, Josh, that your sister calls you after watching the documentary. My sister? Yeah. I thought you said. I thought. I thought you did. <laughs> somebody. Somebody called you mm-hmm. after you was watching. Do- after they watched a documentary. Yeah. When we were brothers, or the, what? Is, Once we're brothers. Once yeah. I've not watched that yet. I need okay. to watch it. Okay. And this some, some female called you. <laughs> yeah. And realized that you named your dog after. Oh, that was my sister-in-law. Sister-in-law. I was like, man, my sister's been deceased for a I'm long sorry. time. I, no, 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 you're good. I was like, did I tell him that she called? Um, no, my sister-in-law called, who's not a big, with Levon, and especially being kind of the face of the restaurant. Right. A lot of people will come up and they'll, they'll what's his name? I'll say, he's the gray dog. They'll say, what's his name? And I'll say, Levon. And they'll say, oh, Levon. And I'm like, yeah, Levon. And they'll say, oh, like the, like the, um, Rocket Man, the Elton, Elton John, John song. Yeah, they're like, oh, like the Elton John song, and I don't feel like having to explain to him. No, he's named after a drummer in the band. Which band? The band. <laughs> oh, well, which band? And you have to go down yeah. this road. But so my sister-in-law uh-huh. called. I think she had always assumed it was after the Elton John song. I'm not even an El- really a big Elton John fan, mm-hmm. but um, she was like, "Is that where Levon comes from?" And I was like, "Yeah, that's him." What did she say about Robbie Robertson? Oh man, I don't remember. She what said it? he's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> That's what you told me. I'm sure. I'm sure that. Yeah. I mean, if I told you it was right after I spoke with her. Um, so but it, yeah, I mean, it don't take somebody long to figure out. Well, what it, I was all, I was big forever. Um, you got to pick a side, and I'm I'm on Levon's side because I started out completely on. He's I didn't know there team. was a feud. Yeah. I read the book and fa- Levon's book, I didn't and I was know like, there okay, was a feud I'm a- until I got on the message board. Oh, okay. And found out that that, that on the Ole Miss message board that, that, that they, yeah, that and I, I think and it, it was, was kind it of was ninety percent Levon, and then maybe well, well Rick, to side even, with Levon is to side with the band, right? It was them versus him, or I should say, they were mad at at. at um, I keep wanting to say Rick, but Robbie. Robbie. They were mad at Robbie, but I don't think Robbie was really mad. I think Robbie, Robbie made out with the spoils of war, and Robbie's making that was another yeah. thing. Another thing too. They all went poor. Essentially, they they, they talked about it on that podcast, and I'm, I have the same exact thoughts on the matter. They said, "Well, why didn't you? Why wouldn't you bust up songwriting credits? Just I would just say because uh, there were other groups, and I can't remember which one they would say." Oh, lyrics by so and so. Arrangement by. Arrangement by. He's like he's because they made the point. There's like when you hear chest fever, do you think <laughs> about Robbie's lyrics? Heck no. You think about Garth Hudson's organ part at the front of that. There's you some, think about up on Cripple Creek. You're not thinking about. I mean, the song is a banger. It, it's great. Yeah. But you think about that. Slapping, you think about the drums and the bass and the. That voice. There needs to be a sit down agreement with every band before you start publishing music of like, hey man, this is how we're going to do this. Well, and see, nobody thought about that. Yeah, they, but you got to. We're just, we just making music. Yeah, see, that's why it's innocent. Of, that's why a lot of the greats busted up. Right. That's why Fogarty and the and the, and the Credence Boys had the. <laughs> it was they, they were hate, brothers. They hate him too. Yeah, they were the brother. I'm, and I look at that and I'm like, I'm in a band with my brother, and I'm like, I, this this wouldn't ever happen. Number one, I've written songs. I had them. I have them yeah, copywritten. Yeah. I have. I have yeah. the, the paperwork yeah. in my house. Guess whose names are on them? Words and music by Matt Mink and Mike Mink. Whether he had anything to do with it, this is. This he is, gave me one word. Then it's in. Mike got credit. He gave me a lot. There were a lot of songs. Easier. I'm trying to see this from all angles. Like mm-hmm. we all know whose side I'm on, but. It's probably easier to do for the two of you because you're brothers. Right. Literally brothers. Like, they were brothers. And I thought it was interesting earlier when you said there are two times of the band, pre-Levon leaving. Mm -hmm. Well, Levon, by all accounts and purposes, he showed Robbie the ropes. Right. He was the guy Mm -hmm. that Robbie looked up to. And then in that time that he was gone, working on an oil rig in the Gulf, Mm -hmm. who leaves the band to go work on an oil rig? You psycho. What do you think? (laughs) But somebody who's not a big fan of Bob. I'm Hulu. going back home to Greenboro, Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> Greenboro, Alabama. Um, I just, I mean, I, I'm laughing because it's easy for me. But I'm like, you're in, you're in one of the greatest musical concoctions ever put together, and you're like, I'll, I'll go make twenty five dollars an hour on an oil rig. Like, yeah. what, what are you thinking? But yeah, I get it. Um, and it's funny in that. It, I guess it, but, what was that? Like a year and a half, maybe that span. I think it was a year. Yeah. Because it was like, because they were playing with Bob in 65, 66. I think he left around that time. 
and they recorded Big Pink, and it was released. That, in the 68. house, the house in Woodstock, is what kind of swayed yeah, him a, back. Yeah, yeah. they're like, hey, you want to come live in a place with yeah, two of your best was, friends, and all we're going to do all day every day is hang out and make yeah, music. Yeah, wasn't it Rick and Garth? It was it was Garth and Danko. Okay, yeah. and then the Robbie big, lived, the big pink lived out with what was his wife's name, Dominique. Yes, and then there was Emmanuel, and I think Manuel lived there too. Yeah. He just so, seems like the guy who'd show up and crash on the couch. On so, the couch, man. So the band. <laughs> I'm cool with it, man. The band, the album, the band. That's uh-huh. the second album. That's the second album. The Brown which, album. The Brown album, which some people say is the greatest album ever, ever made. What's crazy is it's their first or second album. And they they finished their first album and they they were there was like a like there would be in any band that or any musical collection where you come out with something that's that in my mind, it, like revolutionary, it changed the game. You talked about it. We'll just go ahead and go there. Music from Big Pink, nineteen sixty-eight. You going to tracklist? Yeah. So it's Tears of Rage, Heater, <laughs> To Kingdom Come, Heater, In a Station, Caledonia Mission, The Weight was on their debut album, Banger. We Can Talk, which is a pretty. I listened to that one yesterday. That's a pretty freaking great song. <laughs> Long Black Veil, which is a cover. Um. Chest a, fever, which oh, the words are like um, doesn't matter. The the words make no sense. It was a word. The words were just fill in stuff that I they didn't even know it had words. They what Levon said is the words were just something that Richard sang, like Robbie had written down just to go along with the melody, and they couldn't think of any before the album got released, so they just left it alone. Yeah, Lonesome Susie, This Wheel's on Fire, and I Shall Be Released, which was a Bob Dylan song. Written song. I like the way they did it too. Yeah. Well, the way he did the drums, played it upside down with just his fingers. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I learned that Look from the Look at you. Uh, then the band from 1969, Across the Great Divide, Rag Mama Rag, which is oh. one of my personal favorites. Yeah. The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down, When You Awake, Up on Cripple Creek, Whispering Pines, which is another big one. Jemima Surrender, which I like. It's a look. It's got such a cool groove. Yeah. <laughs> Rockin' Chair, Lookout Cleveland, Jawbone. Another great song. Yeah. The Unfaithful Servant, which is, that's Danko doing his weird Danko, <clears throat> Danko, like, and then King Harvest, which is a epic, odd song, but it's good. Um, well, it's King, I put that up there like, um, kind of like the night they drove old Dixie. It's like an epic kind of song. Yeah, it's a. Not a hit. Yeah. But, but it feels like a, an anthem. Yeah. Then uh, their third album, 1970s, Stage Fright. Strawberry Wine, not the one from the 90s. <laughs> Sleeping. On. Time to Kill, which is a good song. Just Another Whistle Stop. All La Glory. The Shape I'm In, which is an absolute banger. It's got one of the better grooves yes. of their songs. And the W.S. Walcott Medicine Show. Which I can only assume maybe was an inspiration for Old Crow Medicine Show. It was. It was literally that that name was taken from the King Biscuit Hour. Okay. He's like that was kind of that was Levon's like homage. Gotcha. To that. Then Daniel in the Sacred Heart. Stage fright, which oh yeah, I really like. Yeah. The rumor and Moondog Matinee was their fourth album, and that's just all covers. And you've got, uh, I won't go through that whole, you got Ain't Got No Home. Um, Great song. Yeah. Uh, Mystery Train, which Elvis had done. Uh, the Third Man theme, which is no words, but it's 
from a movie or whatever, which is pretty good. Then The Great Pretender. I wonder if that's where Third Man Records came from. I don't know. Wouldn't and surprise me. A Change is Gonna Come, oh, which... Great song. Then they did two albums with Bob Dylan, <clears throat> Planet Waves and The Basement what Tapes. What years were those? 74 and 75. I've watched documentaries about The Basement <laughs> Tapes. It's pretty cool. They recorded that in 67, mm-hmm. but they didn't release it. And the then, Basement Tapes? Yeah. yeah. Then 1975, Northern Lights, Southern Cross. That has Forbidden Fruit, Hobo Jones. album. Yeah. Yeah. Ophelia. Acadian Driftwood, awesome which is song. one of Incredible. my, my my gosh, that's a good song. Ring Your Bell, which I'd never heard until uh, today or yesterday. Great song. It Makes No Difference. Sweet Baby Jesus. Good grief. That's a great song. <laughs> Jupiter Hollow, Rag and Bone, Rags and Bones, Twilight, and Christmas Must Be Tonight. Which was, I don't even know that. It's a good song. It's uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Right is right. This is and then Islands. Their uh, final one with uh, everybody in the band. Right is rain. Streetwalker. Let the night fall. Ain't that a lot of love? Islands. The saga of Papote Rouge. Georgia on my mind. Knocking mm-hmm. lost John. Living a dream. And Twilight again. And then they did Jericho in 1993. They didn't do anything until 19 from 76 to 93, and that had Remedy, uh, Atlantic City, mm-hmm. and then they did uh, High on the Hog. Oh no, I skipped Cahoots. Man, I skipped Cahoots. That was uh, not, that was their fourth album, 1971. That had Life as a Carnival, When I Paint My Masterpiece, Great song. Uh, Last of the Blacksmiths, Where Do We Go From Here, Four Percent Pantomime with Van Morrison. Shootout in Chinatown, The Moonstruck One, Thinking Out Loud, Smoke Signal, Volcano, and The River Hymn. I would say that that second album is probably one of the greatest albums of all time. That's what... Yeah, I would say their first and second albums are are top 100 records ever made. But that's... I mean, that's such a subjective thing. Mm -hmm. But yeah. um, What's funny is they were... What's, oh, we're we're talking about. Or this is my list. <laughs> he's, list. He's segueing into the list. It don't matter what anybody else thinks. It's your list. True. Screw everybody oh, else. On, on the, if you're talking about that. Well, the, I mean, if we're getting into that, then if it's just mine, it, this is probably two of my twenty favorite records ever made. Well, for the song, <clears throat> their top, the top ten, the, their best are your favorite song. Well, I would say it's our ones that we think are the the best or favorites. What would you put as number one? That's to so me, easy. it's simple. To me, it's to me, it's simple. And to, I, as far as just looking at it, the kind of the life that it had, um, just the, I mean, the actual music of the and the song, the lyrics, the night they drove old Dixie down, so good. And even to me, I like the waltz performance better than the record because of Levon's vocals. Well, that and the fact that he can sing and do the drum roll at the same time um he did there's a great i put it higher up on the list than the weight personally i think i the weight is a great song but i think do you know where he where he levi believes the lyrics for the night they drove old dixie down came from his dad his dad he thinks that robbie robertson swapped him from his dad well they said he was swiped to come to town and his dad would just tell stories yeah his dad was telling stories that sounds about that. like it would work, right? I mean, just knowing Levon and I've written a song because of a guy telling saying one phrase to me. I'll talk about it off air. I wrote an entire song based on that. No, it's, 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 what's it's, the it, What's the phrase? Uh, where'd she learn to shake it like that? 
Not a boy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I have different. I have different band songs. Like they. Some days, some songs matter more than others. Yeah, that's it's all about my mood, and they're so they're so all like. Am I am I wanting to groove? Mm-hmm. Um, because there's about four that they just have impeccable grooves, and then they have their four or five that are anthems, great epic stories. Well, what we're gonna do is we're gonna put a gun to your head. <laughs> oh, don't do that. Well, see, here's don't the, do that. Here's the ten. We're gonna, we're gonna cut to the chase. This is in no particular order. Here's the ten that I thought would be to me. Sure, they're they're ten best. It makes no difference. Ophelia, oh, what a great one! The weight, uh, the night they drove old Dixie down. When I paint my masterpiece, now I know Bob wrote that one. That's as much theirs as it is. But it, his. yeah, and that's and uh, chest fever up on Cribble Creek. That chest fever might be the one where, like, when I hear it, it doesn't matter how many times I've heard mm-hmm. it, whether I'm in the middle of trying to sweet talk a girl or I'm out trying to party on a Saturday night like it automatically just grabs my attention oh yeah and it's the it's the organ uh-huh. I mean it's Garth it's and then uh, God, it's, a, it's a when you hear that it's like yon, yon. What, and you wouldn't expect the same guys that did that to do up on Cripple Creek Mm-mm. and then uh, uh, Shape I'm In Stage Fright and I Shall Be Released that was the 10 that I, I mean, and, and there was a couple that I was like, mm, they need to be there or, but I, I, I was just. Jermama Surrender probably be in mine. Rag Mama Rag would probably be in my 10. Rag Mama Rag was one that was because right there. Because it's such that. a killer group. Because see, I like Rag Mama Rag probably better than Stage Fright or I Shall Be Released, but that I Shall Be Released, there's not a whole lot going on. Yeah. Like as far as like instrumentally in that song. Sure. Well, I mean, I guess there is, but compared to their other stuff. I know what you mean. But he sings on that falsetto the whole song. Give me your list again. Oh, um, It's an impeccable list. It makes no difference. Mm-hmm. Ophelia. Mm-hmm. The Weight. Mm-hmm. The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down. Mm-hmm. When I Paint My Masterpiece. That's my favorite, mm-hmm. by the way. I didn't that's your that. number that's one. That's my number one. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that is, Such a great. That's my personal favorite mm-hmm. song. Uh, I would say that Night They Drove Old Dixie Down is a better song, but either way. Chest Fever. They're along the same lines. Yeah. Like those two songs. Uh-huh. Up on Cripple Creek, Shape I'm In, Stage Fright, and I Shall Be Released. And yeah. you forgot Whispering Pines and Arcadian Driftwood. See, Arcadian Driftwood is one like, uh, I like it. And then, see, I was looking at and making this list. I was like, okay, I need to take my personal, like what I, what is my favorite out of the way. And, and that was what I would think. Cause I mean, if you if you, I don't think you hear Acadian Driftwood and you think, oh, the band. Do you not? Oh, I do. When I hear Just it, in it's general, it, general, I'm like, oh yeah, they're from Canada. There it is. That's their Canadian song. And I kind of lump a couple of Levon solo songs in there, like um, a train robbery and a wide river to cross. I think of those as being band songs, yeah. even though they're not. I like Atlantic City. Yeah, it's a Springsteen song. Springsteen song. But he makes it his own so well. They, to me, when I when I heard that one, and I only discovered that one just a couple years ago, and when I heard it, it was just like... Talking about Atlantic City? Yeah. I was like, what is this business, and how have I never heard this? Okay, that was a pause for station identification. So, you were saying? So, our first, see, first couple episodes, Yeah, we did... Uh, 
Our first episode was our favorite bands. Is that what it was? Our favorite artist. Favorite yeah. artist. Okay. So we asked for Stevie Nicks make it in there. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, yeah. we asked we asked for uh, feedback, and uh, my, From buddy Louisiana, my buddy Louisiana sent us some stuff, mm-hmm. and you sent me. Yeah. And you gave me a list. Oh, a list of, of music. Stuff. And you said some of the stuff that you was listening to today was the Western Centuries. Yeah. Dude, we fell in love with them. Right off the bat. Like, Aren't they cool? Oh, my gosh. Perfect music to listen to while you're fishing. Yeah. The, uh, it's kind of like the band in the, the sense that they're they're rooted in Americana. Like, they're rooted in blues and the, R&B the and, and country music. Yeah. And they have three, three lead singers. Which one? One passed yeah. just recently. Yeah. Dr. Jim. And he is such a cool dude. I actually... Sat with him in the Down Home, which is an incredible venue in eastern Tennessee. Oh, gosh. What's the name of the town? It's not far from the border town of Virginia. What's the Tennessee uh, border? Virginia. It's, they have a raceway there for NASCAR. Bristol. 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 It's just out of the way. Uh, something city. Johnson City. Johnson City. I sat with Dr. Jim. and uh, He's not a doctor. But no. <laughs> we, sat, we sat in the Down Home one night. I was, when I get it, I'm sure if you're a musician that you get into this, like, I'll hear something that I like, especially when it's something that like floors me. Mm-hmm. And Western Centuries, like from the jump, just jaw on the floor was like, "Oh my God, what have I found? This is incredible!" So I get, I have everything I can find on YouTube, every CD, bought it, everything mm-hmm. I could get my hands on. And then I realized, like maybe three months in, that like nobody listens to these dudes, like nobody knows who they are. So at my time, at the time, I had just broken up with my girlfriend. She liked music a lot. She was around when I just went mm-hmm. head over heels into this band. And I was like, look, I know we're broken up, but I'm going to get these tickets because i got to share this with somebody that will appreciate it. So you've got to come. So we go up there and rent this Hobbit house, like this earth house in the middle of the mountains, and go over and see Western. And I'm expecting there to be like a crowd. I'm like, there's going to be some people here. This is going to be fun. I show up, and there's like eight people in this bar. And there's the band like sitting in the tables up by the – and I've, I've already built these guys up to superstars uh-huh. in my head – because they do something that I can't do that I admire so much. Mm-hmm. And I get to sit down and like hang out with these dudes. And they're like, hey, you think we could ever play in Oxford? I'm like, yeah, you could stay at my house. <laughs> you, like, you know, I'm like fanboying out with these guys. But the reason I'm talking about them is um, I, didn't, I didn't realize it initially. But as I got further and further into their catalog and, and going and seeing them out live, um, they're a lot like the band. They have these very these three very distinct voices, although they all three write, and you can immediately tell Mm-mm. which one's writing got, which yeah, song. I, I um, they have you know one writes like he reads a lot, mm-hmm. one writes like he's done a bunch of psychedelic drugs, mm-hmm. and the other, it's more catchy um, right. and nasally. But um, they kind of build their music. It's it's rooted in the same stuff that the band's in. It's an old R and B. I think in country, I liked it so much. In rock and roll, I'd even say they had a gospel tune to them. For sure, for well, sure. And like the three, the, and they're also sound southern, and they're all from like Seattle yeah. in New York. The um, the doctor, Doctor Jim, Doctor Jim. To me, he sounds similar to Levon Hill. A little bit. And I got a little the more vibes. whiny. Yeah, a little. I got that. He's vibe. from upstate New York. Weird. Well, there's rednecks up there. No, there's rednecks everywhere. Exactly. I can attest to that yeah. from living all over this country. <laughs> Aaron Lewis, he's a redneck from Massachusetts. But Vermont. the other guy, not the... the uh, Cahalen Morrison. Is that the, the the younger dude, dark hair with the beard? Yeah. Okay. He, he writes the more country-ish sounding songs. He sounds like Freddie Fender. Interesting. Interesting. There's one song where it's like... He, to me, writes like a writer. Like a classically uh, trained writer. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, yeah, I like the first one I listened to. Then was Barcelona Lighthouse. Oh, that great. was the first one. That what popped a, what up. an epic song! Yeah, and but uh, then the guy that plays, I guess he's playing the drums most of the time. Two, two of them switch back, Kahalen and mm-hmm. um, gosh, he'd be mad at me for not knowing his name. I was just chatting with him on Instagram the other day. Um, Evan, I either way, he lives in Seattle. Um, they switch. He and Kahalen switch from drums to guitar. Yeah, depending yeah. on who's singing. Right, and see, he sounds. I don't know. I couldn't really pinpoint. He's more nasally and sounds like a bluegrass yeah. singer to me. Yeah, kind of. I, I got that vibe, and it was all three different, and that's it brings a whole. It's like, is this the same band? Like when you hear this song, you could automatically think, oh, because nothing about the music would be like a telling. Of, right. You know, you got a, you hear a different voice. It's like, oh, we've swapped song. Oh no, it's the same band, and you could do that with. The, the band. band, yeah, and you hear they they favor each other too. Yeah, you, you was asking while we was on. Break. I'm so glad that you guys like them. Oh, they're great. That makes me happy. <laughs> and we were my eight. friends, whose opinions I respect, and sorry for those of you that are listening that know I don't <laughs> respect your opinion. I'm kidding, but mo- most anyone that I've turned on to them that has a what I would consider like really good taste in music, they're kind of they're kind of snapped up by it like I was. Yeah, it, it's different. Well, you, it's not something you hear every you day. You ask if we'd listen to that while we was. That pause for a second. I said, "Hang on, <laughs> stop." Yeah, yeah. Because you sent that to me, and we didn't do it, Matt. We didn't do it the first of this one. What we've been listening to? Because mm-hmm. well, I always ask what we've been listening to. Yeah. We've been listening to band all week. Sure. So, but he asked you me that. And I said, more weeks. I said, "Josh, turn me on to Western Centuries." Right. And then you got listening to it, and Kelly loves it. They're so good. Um, their first that first album is a is a total masterpiece. I mean, it is a press play record, track one through thirteen, and the second one's the same way. Well, I just I just looked them up on Amazon Music and just they're play. they're touring right now. Is that right? We should, we should go. That's I mean, they were actually at the Down Home last week <laughs> in the Purple Fiddle in somewhere West Virginia. Uh, when you can, because I think there's a this I've not really thought about it till just this is an epiphany that just hit me. I, probably the markings of a good band mm-hmm. are when you hear their songs, you automatically, you're drawn, like you said, you're snatched up, you're drawn in, and you're listening. But also at the same time, that's the ones that when you're just hanging around and not listening, listening, but you want them on in the background. Sure. Like a comfort kind of thing. I've it's, had probably, it works the same. probably 15 to 20 artists in my lifetime where I heard it, and I became obsessed. Mm-hmm. And I could literally, I mean, my I've had ex-girlfriends that would, like, scream at me. Because I've listened to the same song in the car seven times in a row. And they just can't understand that. <laughs> and I'm like, you don't understand. You and I listen to this differently. Uh-huh. Um, Blackberry Smoke was that for me. That they did was that the big, for you? That was the big thing. Like, when I, really I heard liked, them. I really the, like Charlie Starr. That guy is so uber talented. It's ridiculous. He's such a great singer and an amazing guitar player for someone who moves around like he does when they're playing live I'm not as I don't dislike the band at all they're, they're great mm-hmm. but I don't I don't listen to a ton of like that crunchy mm-hmm. it's very crunchy southern rock and roll yeah that's my um, that's my jam and he, but he can kind of <laughs> go into that world and then come out and play like hill country blues or bluegrass. ragtime or bluegrass that dude and they're from where I'm from they're from Woodstock Georgia which okay. is just metro Atlanta um, mm-hmm. my nephew's birth father went to high school with him. Sweet. Um, but he is such a profound talent. 
Mm-hmm. Like Charlie just. I mean, he writes. He could songs. go sit in with play, and play with any great group of musicians and fit right in just fine, playing any kind of music. Mm-hmm. So good. See, that was the reason. The I'll and I, I'm not ashamed to say it, but the reason that we do up on Cripple Creek is because I heard them, them play cover it, it at. Um, I love their Oxford. color of like D-Bell and Blues too. They do, we do that song. That. Do you really? They, yeah, their way. Because I, I've, there's a lot of things that the we dead, do. The Dead cover all those songs. Yeah. Do you listen to much Dead? Not a lot. I and wonder. I, I wonder if I could turn you on. Like I'm. I bet I could. I bet there's about twelve Dead tracks that if I just made you sit down and listen to it, you would all of a sudden become uh, a Dead fan. And I don't mean like a Dead head. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I, 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 the I, Grateful I, Dead. It's nothing but country music for. People with a little bit more psychedelic taste. I mean, it really is. It's it's country music for guys who wear dope smokers. Pretty much, pretty much, yeah. It, I mean, it's all rooted. It's all rooted in funky, groovy country music. See, I like that, I, and and that's bring it back to this. I think that's one reason that it speaks to my redneck heart is because Levon Helm is singing these songs, yeah. and it's like and they guy, tell these great stories. That guy sings like I sound. Yeah, you know? no, he sings. <laughs> He sings. Does he sing? He sang. I've had this discussion with many ex-girlfriends. You have singers, and you got singers. Oh yeah. And singers, singers can be incredibly talented, and they can float and do all of the things that I could never do vocally if I were trying. But a singer, there's something about it. It just that's, has. That's your, the it people has soul that are making you feel. <clears throat> For instance, like what Joe, Joe Cocker is a singer. Yeah. What is so that? Can you make them feel like you, what you feel inside? You can, you, can you make them feel it? Can you make them feel what you're trying to say? Levon's a singer. Yeah. Van Morrison is a singer. Um, I would say... Stevie Nicks? Van Zant is a singer, although I really like him. We were talking about Leonard Skinner. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't call him a singer. No. no, no. Um, oh, no, no, no. Who else would we call a singer? Dude, I mean, oh, you Joe could, Cocker, man. That's a good call on that one. He's the, he's the ultimate. <coughs> like, I remember hearing... Um, get by with a little help from my friends though oh, to the Wonder Years and asking my dad being like who is this my dad turned him on and I remember the first thing I thought was like oh he listens to black people sing that's where all the cool white singers that I love mm-hmm. are all rooted in in blues oh, yeah. and gospel yeah yeah because it's the best mm-hmm. speaking of gospel uh, Levon talked about um, I watched an interview with him I was preparing for podcasts. <laughs> Because uh, I'm a big prep guy. Because we're professional. He so. talks about, um, <clears throat> and it's so many people of his era that are from this part of the world. He talked about um, wanting the band to be like a, a tent revival. The I've feeling of that. Said that the, the feeling book. of yeah. the band, and he's and it stems from his family's love of music and the church, mm-hmm. and going to these tent revival shows, which apparently were pretty epic back in the day, uh, especially yeah, when those Pentecostal was, tent revival. I think it's where Elvis kind of got. Yeah, Inspired well, I mean, if you're if you're a so, if you're a rural Southern dude, there was only like four or five forms of entertainment, unless you just had crazy money, right? And most of them were rooted in the church in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's, a, or maybe like sneaking off to the black side of town and sitting outside the juke. I mean, I've heard. See, that's that's the old story behind between Jimmy Swagger and uh, Great Balls of Fire, and, Mickey uh, Gilly. No. Jerry Lee Lewis. Jerry Lee Lewis used to sit outside the juke joint. No, they went to the juke joint. Jerry Lee Lewis would go inside. Jimmy Swaggart <laughs> wouldn't go in. They could both play the piano. Just Jerry Lee sounds like the kind of but guy Jerry that would be like, yeah, we're going went in. in and, and Jimmy Swaggart wouldn't go in. Boy, how old are you? He's like, I'm nine. Get out of my way. 
What a psychopath. Jimmy Swagger. In the greatest, and I mean that in the greatest way. Oh, he's, oh, yeah. a, he's, he's such a, he such a pistol. A, he's a, That's a whole other podcast. A, oh, yeah. That's like I, four podcasts. Yeah. He's, That's like pure cane ass from Louisiana. I think that's a good note to go out on. You think I so? Think, I think we've got, I mean, like Sean was saying uh, in our little break there, uh, we could go on. Yeah. I mean, and it's. Well, if you, if you break down the timeline, it begins in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. It, it, that turns into the band, who turns into the back band for Bob Dylan, who then writes the great uh, music from the, from the Big Pink and the band record. And then I kind of lose track with the albums after that because they were so prolific on those yeah, first those, two records. Those two. And they wrote then, a lifetime of yeah. hits in two records. Yeah, it was 68, 69, 70, and 71. Like, okay. boom, 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 boom. It yeah. was like, you know. And then they they do their own thing. It starts to get hairy. Mm-hmm. Bob comes back. It gets hairier. And then it kind of crescendos at the walls. Yeah. And I imagine if you interviewed each member god rest their souls if they were still alive there would be such a, pers- a different perspective from each one on how oh, absolutely. how and why that day went down yeah and what that day and, meant and to everything to getting there sure up to that point because robbie makes it sound like it was like this culmination and celebration of all of their work right and i imagine if you ask levon that's probably not the way he would describe that day well then it, on that podcast, it sounded i mean i've read an article in the rolling stone that just makes it sound like a drug addled Oh, well, I just think Robbie had said something. He said, well, I, I, if I had to say anything bad about the last waltz, it's that the cocaine wasn't very good. Yeah, you know, Ronnie, Ronnie Hawkins made a joke about Yeah, um, He's like, you guys just spent $30,000 on something that if you sneeze, you're going to blow biscuits out your nose. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, um, like, that whole, uh, apparently afterward, according to that podcast, Robbie made the comment of like, well, it wasn't, a, it wasn't the end. And he said this since everybody's died, and you know he can nobody's going to question him. It was the it wasn't the end. He said we I thought we 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 had planned we had planned on just not touring anymore, all coming back together and getting back together and just being a studio band. He said, but everybody forgot to come, come back. back, right? And it's like, what do you mean? Like they went on to play without you. Later, I you know I yeah the, the, you you're of the three of us you're the one that hasn't seen when we were brothers once right? we're brothers yeah I haven't seen it you're gonna have a real weird perspective yeah because there's a lot of that a lot of it will make you respect Robbie because mm-hmm. um, it did me yeah it, I gave me a different perspective but a lot of it you just you're like this is horseshit <laughs> like <laughs> you got you got the you got the old saying this is very convenient for you right, right now yes. you know what I mean mm-hmm. the the victors write the history. Yeah, yeah. and great. he he is far greater than I ever thought. That guy could write a song, mm-hmm. and he had a way of bringing all of that together that probably no one else could have done. Also, there were some some dynamic personalities in that band. Like, oh yeah, Danko and Levon weren't like uh, easy to yeah, easy to yeah. deal with well, kind of dudes. Yeah, apparently Richard and, Richard and Garth were the easygoing, quiet guys that were just kind of like, yeah, I'll yeah. do. You know, I think I'm Richard had his that. demons. Yeah, you know, I'm sure he was hard to have in the band. Probably yeah. not hard to deal with, but hard to have in the band. Yeah, and I think that's what what Levon said about his demons were exacerbated by being on the road and 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 going yeah. like they were, and that's where he blamed Robbie. Oh, okay. For them pushing him to keep 
to keep on. He probably on. needed a break. More than likely. Yeah. yeah. You know, I've they never been on the road, but I could I could only imagine the that's temptation. It's the highway to hell. Uh, the inability to, to what, stay I mean, no. that's kind of the thing with us. We never wanted to. We like home too much. Sure. You know, we like playing music, but we like home more. Have you guys cut records? Uh, no, we, we uh, the, the most we've done was we went in the little somebody's makeshift studio, which was it was okay, and and did a little those five songs that I wrote. Nice, recorded those. You have to shoot uh, me a link to those, man. I want to I've got. Uh, they're not out there anywhere. One of them is the intro to the pod. Well, then I've heard <laughs> that's one cool. one little section. Was but, that it? We're gonna call it a call oh, it a night we'll on we'll the band. That, we'll that was it, fun, man. Oh, we'll call I enjoyed it that. This. I'm glad you were here. This has been the band episode of the soundtrack. Our of first. Life. Episode that actually broke down a certain one, artist. One artist, yeah. This is the first of many, hopefully. We've got Man. one coming later on. Yeah. Thank you for October. having me to be a part of it. That was awesome. Oh, yeah. Well, Sean's wanted to get you on. The He's like, you know who we didn't have on? We need to have Josh from Grey Dog on. <laughs> Next time I'll bring tacos. <laughs> but you know what? And, and, and possibly some big things are happening for Grey Dog Taco. Yes. They're definitely happening. We just can't talk to you about it right now. Right That's now. right. They're but happening. when it when it does happen, by God, I'm gonna tell you about it. <laughs> Follow yeah. us on Instagram at Great Dog Taco. Hey, yeah, yeah, yourself. Yeah, I don't yeah, care. No, I'm good. We'll, I know. We'll I follow keep, you on there. We'll You're keep... the meat and three maestro. That's me. Uh, that's a freaking great handle. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. It's awesome. But I it's, I liked it enough that even as I'm a gringo selling Mexican food, I still couldn't change my name. No, it's great. Thank you. It's great. Because when I see that, I'm like, yeah, that guy could that guy could cook. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, oh, uh, never mind. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, we got another pod to record. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're by, doing by, another but, yeah, one. Yeah, behind the behind the scenes. I don't think it'll be an hour and forty something minutes like this one. Was. See you guys on the flip so, side. Yeah. But I will say, our our podcasts are usually hour hour and fifteen minutes. But when we do a, a certain band and artist, they're going to be longer mm-hmm. because we're going to give them the respect they deserve. Dang right. Amen. So email us soundtrackoflifepod at gmail dot com. Twitter at the SOL Pod or text Sean. There you go. Either way. We leave this whole number. We out.